Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from the Ray Horseman Studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, poetry. There are poems about love and birds on their wings. There are poems about a gallimaufry of things. Magniloquent poems about a clack of obsomaths. Nugatory poems about a lack of hot baths. There are poems about lovers who on their verandas meet. But who can find poetry here on Miranda Street. I bet tonight's guest can. With us is award-winning poet Harriet Mullen, professor of English at UCLA. She'll help us scan our knowledge of verse. Plus, theme songs! We've got two great new entries in our theme song contest. What a show we've lined up for you. Nothing soporific, a truly fine stew. It's a night when we're feeling full of rhymes. So get ready for some really good shit. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's conversational meter marching to a strict iambic pentameter. And now, please welcome the woman who only thinks in free verse, Paula Poundstone! Welcome, Paula. Man, and that was some nice harping. It sure is. Welcome back to uh, uh, to returning champion tonight's house band harpist Aiden McDonald. Aiden, welcome. Thanks. It's really great to have you back. And I want to give a shout out. We we don't let people see behind the curtain of this show all that much, except for occasional Captain Crinkle episodes. But uh, <laughs> Ken Lezebnik deserves some some big ups for that introduction. It that was, a was fantastic that was poetic work, and I am super impressed. Yeah, it was very beautiful. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a little on edge, so it's a good thing that it's you know poetry night. Why are you on edge? Uh, I'm a little on edge because just before I left my house, uh, on my answering machine was a message that said my. Uh, power was going to be shut off in 30 minutes. 30 minutes? That's what it said. My power is going to be shut off in 30 minutes. Well, that's so, obviously some kind of phishing scam. I don't it? know if I'm going to go home to no power, but I will say I get that message a few times a week. And how often do you lose power? It hasn't happened yet, but you know. Wow. 15th. And it's still making you panic. Every oh, time. geez. You never know. It's a little bit. What? I feel like Who you... is that? And the, and the IRS one. This is the IRS. Have you, do you have that one ever? I, I, get, I, get, I get an IRS one that's obviously a robot voice. This is the IRS. You get that one? Yes. Um, it is very important that you get in touch with us. No, I get one that is like straight out of, uh, you know, it's one of Trump's fixers. This oh, is yeah. the IRS. Call <laughs> us right now and give us money. Or there's a warrant for your arrest. 
Yeah, now I've seen a Do notice. Do it before we turn your power off. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a notice for that woman. scam, the IRS one, oh, which yeah. is that the IRS will never call you on the phone. So yeah. the way to tell- No, the... they peek in your window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they come in through the back door. Exactly. They're much yeah. creepier than calling you on the Absolutely. calling on the phone. You know what I forgot to ask about? Uh, I know Hanukkah was not recent now. It was but pretty have, recent. Having, well, I wondered, you know, remember how Bonnie had the question about um, Halloween? She wanted to leave the bowl of candy- Yes, Out Bonnie front. Burns, your manager, our producer, Captain Crinkle, yeah. w- uh, around Halloween time, had this bizarre question about, like, she wants to leave out a bowl of candy so that the And kids... she's in the house. She's it's in the house. It's not that she wasn't going to be there. Yeah, but she doesn't want to be bothered by those stupid kids, but she didn't want them to go candyless. But the last time she left out a bowl, some little bastard, the first one to come by, took <laughs> the whole took bowl. took the whole bowl. Yeah. yeah. And so, so then, at Thanksgiving- She wanted to know if there was some kind of dispenser or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could use the dog feeder or the cat feeder. Um, the uh, but retinal then scan. At Thanksgiving, apparently, she left a butterball turkey uh, right. out. One of those damn and- coyotes. Was not polite. Relatives came by and just picked at it. Um, and so I was wondering how she handled Hanukkah. If she just left the menorah on the front porch. Well, you don't want to open the door to asking her. She's right next to us, but do you want to? Uh, yeah. Bonnie, did did you? B- Bonnie, did you? Uh, did you leave all eight candles out on the first night and hope people just would light them only one at a time? I start buying gifts in October for my daughter. So Is that okay, true? I, I... <laughs> I, I want I want to point out that this this is this is really where Bonnie and I clash because where? you ask Bonnie a question and you can, you can be as specific as possible but you can be guaranteed that her answer will not be to that question. Yeah, it was. So you asked her if she left the presents slightly out slightly different, and her answer she was, was it was a Trump lawyer type answer. Yeah. <laughs> she it said, was. She said I I um I started buying presents for my daughter in October. Yeah, not one mention that, of candles, matches, <laughs> menorah, the front door. Yeah. Uh, but I'm happy for her daughter. That's great. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. What? You're off mic, Bonnie. Don't... No, you can hear me sort of. I'm talking like... <laughs> We can sort of hear you, but well, not really. You. And we suspect you don't have something to say. No, I do. Okay. Because she was born January 1st. Her daughter was born January 1st. And we threw in Christmas just for whatever. And they they so threw in Christmas. Celebrating in October. And so they so start celebrating the in October. At once. Wow. Nobody asked about that. <laughs> Nobody cares. Apparently, there's so many presents. It was a pre- it was a question about candles, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe yeah. it was specifically about Hanukkah candles. It had nothing to do with exchanging gifts <laughs> in any way. Birthday no, didn't. Themselves. Had no interest at all in when the daughter was born. Not a lick. This is why we don't open that door if we don't have to. Yeah, Paula. it was my mistake. The, the door labeled Captain Crinkle. Just keep it's it closed. It's like not knowing whether you should click on stuff or not. <laughs> You never light all the candles? Bonnie, we're past this part of the show. They don't do it every night. (laughs) They don't light the candles every night. That's good. Hanukkah is is really how Hanukkah works. They do Hanukkah, uh, which is a southern version of Hanukkah. (laughs) Hanukkah. Um, They tie. You're here to celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, that's we, nice. We enjoyed Hanukkah this year. We had a very nice Hanukkah. Yeah, we enjoyed Hanukkah. We had the, uh, <laughs> what is the thing uh, with the flat bread, uh, the cracker? Matzah. Yeah, we enjoyed the matzah. <laughs> we enjoyed the matzah for Hanukkah. Um, Hanukkah okay. matzah. All right, speaking of not knowing whether to respond to things, uh, <laughs> so yeah. I got a text. Uh, in fact, I've gotten a couple of them now. Okay. Um, I haven't, like, 
I don't know how to respond anyways because I have a flip phone. Right. Um, but you it, never text me back. Yeah, I don't because I have a flip phone. It would I've take so to long yeah. to crack that code. Um, but the text said something to the effect of "hungry for cock sucking meat." Oh, wow. Should I have responded? Well, was it a question? No, it was. It was like it was weird. It was sort of in a code. It was like hyphenated and and now, I, I don't want to get too deeply was involved a, in the. In the uh... But I have a flip phone, so if there was a photo on there, I want the sender to know it would be very small. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that might hurt their ego. Yeah, it would not I be don't... a flattering thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. That was all it, was it said. Yeah, that was all it said. I'll, I'll let... Was there a link? I don't know. It might have been a link. All right, I apologize because oh, I was, I was for- up late. I, I was forget. drinking. You were drinking. Uh, oh, did you text me last night? Possible. <laughs> oh, it's wow. possible. Wow. I don't think I would say that to you, though. No, I can't imagine a person who would send that right. to me. Well, I do know one person who might. Who's that? Answer the phone, Adam. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not go there. I don't want to answer Adam, the phone. Adam, go ahead. Answer the phone. Oh, Paula, Adam, I, I hate it when this phone. happens. Hey, go ahead. Answer the phone, Adam. Uh, yeah. Go uh, ahead. Hello. Uh, hey, Adam, it's just me, Mike Bum Bum Bonifant. Uh, uh, you know what I did last night? What'd you do, Mike? I sent Paula Pounce on a text. <laughs> did you really, Mike? Yeah, what yeah. Did, what did it say, uh, Mike? It said, uh, hungry for cocksucking meat. What does that even mean, Mike? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to fill it all in, you know what I mean? I wanted it to be a little mysterious, you That's know what I mean? That's not mysterious, Mike. Yeah. It's just... yeah, I wanted it to be like, you know, like when she had to think. You know, like, she doesn't really think on that show you guys do. She doesn't really think, you know? Yes, she does. She does all the thinking to you. She is such a bitch. Now, Mike, you cut that out. That I, is out of line. I don't know line. how you work with her. I oh. really don't know how you work with her, man. Hey, listen now. How did you get her number? I got to ask you something, man. Well, but you, okay. Uh, 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 we going to hang out after the game this weekend? No, we're not. We've oh. never hung out, Mike. We're not friends. All right, okay. Uh, listen, uh, I got to call you back anyways, because uh, you know what? I'm caller nine. Caller nine and what? Uh, Adam. Yeah, what? Uh, shoot, Adam, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> uh, I forgot to mention we have the 100th caller contest still going on. Oh, no, we uh, don't. We're having no, a contest. No. Our 100th caller wins any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store and a chance to hang out after the game with Adam Felber. Wow, that is that is just not a thing, Paula. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we did that last week, and, and, and I think yeah. that was the whole contest. No, we right? got up to eight. We got up to eight callers. Yeah. So we're going to continue with this. Yeah. All right. If you're thinking of calling, I want to point out that Roger Federer does not have a store on Miranda Street. There's a store called Fetter, which I recently discovered isn't just an appliance store, but it's a store that sells dented appliances. Okay. First of all, it is Roger Federer's. And second of all, yes, the appliances are dented because he um, he hits tennis balls into them. <laughs> So it actually increases their value. You can get a dishwasher that's had the shit banged out of it by Roger Federer's tennis balls. What are we doing here? Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's the 100th caller. Oh, 100th my God. Caller. I don't want this to happen, Paul. <laughs> I, re- I really would rather we it's forgot very, about It's this. a very popular contest. We had eight calls last week. Yeah, but they were all from Mike Boom Boom Bonifat and Winnie Feynman. Uh, yeah, but I think it, two it's fans gonna, that really creep me out. It's going to expand because we had, you know, we just announced it last week, so you got to give it time to sort of, you know, f- trickle down like, and, and impress me for many weeks to come. F- filter, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I want to point be... out, you know, Fetter, Fetters, that store Fetters doesn't. Fetters, have, Roger no, Fetters, Fetter. And my question yeah. is, Boy, that's if why it is you don't Roger Federer's store, 
Where's the other ER? Do you leave off the other ER for savings? It probably got knocked off when he hit it with a... Tennis ball. Yeah. yeah. No, it's Roger Federer's. I've been in there, Adam. Oh, have you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was in there, and he was like, he was knocking the balls off a microwave. I don't even know if that's safe. You lead a rich life, Paula Pounce. I do. I was in there, and um, Dame Maggie Smith uh, was in there one Oh, night. was she? Yeah. Wow, what was she doing in there? Um, she was looking for a microwave with uh, <laughs> tennis ball dents in it. I, I, My dog I, Mo would love that store. Sometimes I feel like I'm interrogating a lying kindergartner when I'm talking to you. <laughs> you know, you're not. Your, your eyes kind of go up to the ceiling. You're no, like, oh, what was she no, doing there? Oh, don't. she was having a snack. <laughs> oh, she was. No, I'm yeah. telling you. I'm so telling she you. ate the cookies. Yeah, not me. No, I don't. You know, the thing about me is I'm really real when I talk. I don't. <laughs> I don't like to have like magniloquent kind of speech. Hey, speaking of vocabulary words, do you have a new one? I've got a word this week, Adam. It's oshios. Oshios. Yeah, it's an adjective that means serving no practical purpose, producing no useful result, futile. How do you How do you spell that one? Oshios. It's O T I O S E. I never knew how to pronounce that word. I well, thought it was odious. I have to tell you, it can be odious. It can be odious. It, it can be, but... But then uh, it sounds like a breakfast cereal. But it is... Uh, I think they caved to odios when people couldn't figure out that it was actually osios. So it's osios. Uh, it okay. is osios. Uh, here, I'll use it in a sentence. My windshield wipers are so full of berries from the ficus nidida trees that line my street. They're osios. Ah, interesting. It, it, it's a related word to nugatory, then. Uh, very similar uh, to nougatory, although nougatory is also inside um, really good chocolate. That's uh, nougat. Yeah. Um, uh, like in Butterfinger. Uh, all right. I've had, as you know, a hard time remembering the vocabulary words. Yeah, and, so and I, have, I have a theory as to why that is. I have uh, created a uh, vocabulary song. Uh, very popular oh. vocabulary song that I get a lot of emails saying, do more vocabulary songs. You really don't. I do. I no. do. Not uh, unless you're emailing I do. yourself. The minute I saw um, Dame Maggie Smith at right. Roger Federer's, she uh -huh. was like, oh, won't you do a, a, a vocabulary song while you're here? And uh, was, that your, was that your best Dame Maggie Smith? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not, this okay. is not my strength. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Here's the best I got. Ready? This week's word is oshios. It sounds like Oreos, but it's not. It's an adjective that means serving no practical purpose, producing no useful result, futile. Last oh, week's word again. was glimmer free. It's a noun that means confused, jumble, or medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. The week before that, we add up some math. It's a noun that means a person who begins or continues to study or learn late in life. I hope to be an math when I get to that point. Going back before that, the word was magniloquent. It's an adjective that means lofty, pompous. Oh, a bell now. Or high-flown in speech or style of expression. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, but I do, I do, I do, I do. I do. There you go. Wow. Thank you very much. Now, now I will say there is a replicable part of the song. Yes. It's, it's oh, the part without so. a vocabulary word. It's the I do, I do, I do part. Yeah. The rest of it is just sort of like random stuff that you do each week. 
And now you're adding more instruments to your one-woman band. Yeah, I've added a lot of instruments to yeah. kind of bring up the orchestral quality uh, of my work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyways, there it is. So, well. Oshios, Oshios, uh, Oshios, Oshios, Oshios. Uh, serving no practical purpose, producing no useful result, futile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, listeners, if you do have a vocabulary song, and we've, we've had a couple of really great ones, if you want to replace Paula's with something superior, which is not hard. Cannot um, be done! <laughs> no, we had a fantastic one a couple weeks ago. We did have a fantastic yeah, we had, one a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. Ago. It wasn't that one. It, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, Adam Thelma, I have a... Uh, hey, oh. it's uh, me, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Culpepper. Oh, look, it's Mrs. Uh, Culpepper. I'm uh, wearing my ruby satin dress, as wearing I often ruby do. ruby satin dress. Uh, uh, She's a hand puppet, folks. I have become an opsomath since the passing of Captain Culpepper. What did he pass? You know, he uh, is no longer with us. He's not a part Where did of he go? Our, our world. Did, well, he, he, did he leave you? Uh, he did not leave me. He was very much in love with me, Adam Oh, Thelma. Then, very, then, then why would he leave? Much in love. Uh, well, he, he died. Oh, no. Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that, yeah, Mrs. Culpepper. It was a tragic, tragic event in, uh, in my life. And, well, yeah. And, and, uh, and, uh, wow, and I've just and like, reopened his, that wound, haven't I? Uh, well, yes. Uh, it's a painful memory. Uh, it's uh, a memory. So you were there. Oh, oh, I was there. Yes. Oh, yes, Captain. So it's, it's especially painful for me to bring it up. I, uh, I, I do apologize. Uh, well, that's all. That's all right. Uh, uh, so you were you were holding his hand while he lay on that bed. He was. Uh, uh, yes, he died. Uh, uh, well, not peacefully. Uh, not on a bed. Poisoned. Oh, he's poisoned. Uh, uh, yes, he died from uh, tyrotoxism. Uh, he was poisoned, which is the uh, poisoning by, <laughs> by. Cheese or other dairy products. Okay. Well, I guess we'll never get to the bottom of what exactly did him in. It was a cheese. Oh, it was? It was. <laughs> it was a cheese. Yes, that is correct. All right, some sort of cheese. It was the goat of the garden, Madam Felder. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Culpepper, you're always a delight. All right, coming up, Marion Moore said, Poetry is the art of crafting imaginary gardens with real toads. We'll explore imaginary gardens and keep our eyes open for the toads when we hear from poet Harriet Mullen. That's when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. 
It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. All right, we're back. Paula, uh, NPR recently reported that young Americans are into poetry. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, a, I heard a story on NPR the other day saying that young people were into poetry and houseplants. Houseplants? Yeah. And so uh, I That I surprises to, me, too. Yeah. Uh, I think it surprises me more than poetry. Yeah. I would, no, I was surprised by both, actually. Yeah. Uh, I thought, now, you don't have houseplants. Um, no, I do. I have two succulents in my bathroom. Brag, brag, brag. All right, well, we have a distinguished poet here with us who can explain poetry's enduring fascination. Harriet Mullen's poetry collection, Recyclopedia, won a Penn Beyond Margins Award. Her book, Sleeping with the Dictionary, was a finalist for a National Book Award, the National Book Critics Circle Award, and a Los Angeles Times Book Prize. Her book, Urban Tumbleweed, Notes from a Tanka Diary, is an exploration of spaces where the city and the natural world collide. She's a professor of English at UCLA, and she's right here with us. Please. Please welcome Harriet Mullen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Is there a definition of a poem? Well, uh, one of the easiest to remember is from the poet Coleridge, who said uh, poetry is the best words in the best order. Oh, that's oh, a that's, good one. That's yeah. a great explanation. He yeah. was good. He was good. 
I, I, Take a turn of phrase, that Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Uh, d- didn't know him. Is, is rhyming still important? <laughs> rhyming is optional in poetry. Um, very old English poetry did not use rhyme at all. It used alliteration. That's how you knew that something was in verse, because it was alliterated rather than rhymed. Rhyming usually comes to us from the Romance languages, and they have more words that rhyme. Yeah, it's easier to rhyme in like Spanish and Italian, right? Because yes. everything ends with O or yeah. A. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's why it's <laughs> yeah. harder to use rhyme now because we've heard most of the rhymes. So now poets who do want to use rhyme, they use it in ways that are more subtle. Uh, maybe they use words that don't rhyme exactly, uh-huh. or they use rhyme internally rather than just at the ends of lines so that you have to listen a little more carefully to hear the rhyming. Uh-huh. Now, how can you um, explain the new popularity of poetry? I mean, my first guess would be that it has to do with, with rap and hip-hop and the rise of uh, poetry jams and stuff. Is that is that what's fueling it? That could be part of it. That's been going on for a long time, probably more than 20 years now. Uh-huh. Uh, and poetry continues to be revived. Uh, people continue to predict that poetry is dead, and lo and behold, it kind of resurrects itself. And that has to do, I think, with the enduring value and appeal, the allure of poetry. I think if young people are interested in poetry, they're reaching for something that's very precious in the human being, something that we recognize from ages past. I mean, Human beings who died thousands, tens of thousands of years ago can reach out to us through their words. And that's uh, the power of poetry. Uh-huh. And how is it different than lyrics? Oh, that's a good question. The lyrics of songs? Yeah. yeah. Well, at one time they were pretty much the same thing. We, you know, we still have this term lyric poetry. Right. And it originated with poetry that was sung or chanted or recited with a musical accompaniment, kind of like the harp that we've had. Uh, uh-huh. That's beautiful that's harp. Nice harp. Now, yeah. as, um, as, as, a, as a poetry expert, how would you rate the lyrics to Paula's vocabulary song <laughs> as poetry? Do you want to sing it again, Paula? (laughs) Well, let me take you off the hook. No, Uh, you don't have to. No. uh, (laughs) First of all, by the very nature of the vocabulary song, the the lyrics have to change every week because I add a new sentence every week. And then I, just to keep it shorter, I lose a sentence. Sounds like you're you're, you're fumbling around for an excuse right here. And so it's. uh, Also, it's about the definitions of words. So it's going to be a little prosaic anyway. A little what? Prosaic as opposed to poetic? I don't know the difference. Do you know the difference between prosaic and poetic? Po- poetry can be either in verse or in prose. So when prose? verse, when it's in verse, the lines are, we say, lineated or arranged or broken. And the unit of composition is the line and the stanza. Uh, when poetry is in prose, it is not lineated. It is from margin to margin, and the units of composition are the sentence and the paragraph. So poetry is not the difference between poetry versus prose. It's uh, verse or prose. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. So as a prosaic poem, as it were, Paula's vocabulary song might be quite good. I I think that the word (laughs) that you were... (laughs) I, I think that word you were looking for, Ms. Mullen, was brilliant, 
And uh, it's just difficult for you to come up with it in that moment. Um, so are there, to poetry now, are there structure, structural rules anymore? There are many, many rules for poetry, particularly for traditional poetry that is in a verse that's metrical, that is uh, what we call accentual syllabic verse. Um, there are many rules. What I say to my students is poetry is not the place of no rules. There are many rules, but any of those rules can be broken. You just break them deliberately, consciously, and with flair. Uh-huh. Great. So do you, do you teach a poetry class? Right now I'm teaching contemporary American poetry at UCLA. I have a, a very enthusiastic group of students who are really uh, eager to talk about poetry. That's what I was going to ask you. I didn't go to college, but when I was in high school, I don't think they had a poetry. Uh, we studied some pieces of poetry here and there, but it wasn't like a poetry class. And I think for the most part, we were all kind of bored uh, in that class. It wasn't something that we were like hungry for, mm. you, you know? And so when you talk about the enthusiasm, where do you think that comes from? Why do you think that's, uh, do you feel like it's reignited or it never went away? Was it, I in a dumb class? It's never actually. <laughs> I don't think it's the love of poetry has actually ever gone away completely. There always are and have been people who care about poetry. I always just say poetry is important for the people for whom poetry is important. But you can always join that little club if you want to at any time uh-huh. just by finding the poetry that you like. I mean, it was yeah. interesting you said about the hunger because uh, I think about poetry as I think about food. If you don't like poetry, it's like saying you don't like food. You just haven't found the food you like. Oh. So if you find the poems that speak to you, sometimes you find a poem that doesn't just speak to you. It speaks as you. I mean, you find your own feelings expressed by someone else possibly better than you could express them yourself. And that's sometimes what we're looking for in poetry. Have the subjects of poetry changed over time? Poetry can be about any subject. Mm -hmm. And poets today especially are exploring all kinds of topics that maybe have been neglected in poetry. So there are scientific poems. There's a lot of eco-poetry about, you know, the state of the world as we have, uh, you know, created a geologic era that is actually named for human beings because we have put our stamp on the earth in probably an indelible way. So there's a lot of poetry that is... Uh, oh, we can get erased. Well... It'll take time. <laughs> but it, we'll be washed away at some point. Well, would, I don't think it's all that far away at this point, <laughs> is it? Or if we're in an era that is some t- people call post-human, and I, I do think that people are looking for uh, a way back to their human selves, and poetry is one of the ways to do that. Yeah. I was wondering if uh, one of the things that would make people... Uh, you know, like hungry for poetry mm-hmm. was this feeling that we're coming to the end of the earth, you know, with the fires in Australia and the lack of any kind of uh, solutions to the climate change. Do, do, you, do your students talk about that? Mm, I haven't heard so much of that. I think uh, they... Maybe I'm just really dark that way. Well, I do... I... <laughs> I do think poetry, people tend to turn to poetry in times of great, uh, well, emotional upheaval. 
uh, when there's tragedy, you know, when we feel alone, uh, when we feel that we're not sure who we are anymore. I think sometimes we turn to art in general and to poetry in particular. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, the poet Shelley said, poetry is a mirror which makes beautiful that which is distorted. Stay tuned for more Gazing Into the Mirror with Harriet Mullen right after this. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds, yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. 
And don't think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, President Dwight D. Eisenhower said, My head looks like a baby's head. (laughs) And we're back with poet Harriet Mullen. Harriet. Harriet, um, do you have a a process for your writing? And does it involve a paper and a pen and a punishment chair? Well, I do like to write uh, with a pen or pencil or even a marker or crayon. Does it matter to you? Which you're using when you're writing? Sometimes it's helpful for me to switch because uh, sometimes just changing the instrument. I've worked with chalk. I've worked with uh, alphabet noodles and things like that. Wow. Sometimes just to get out of the the regular habit and to yeah. try something different. But, you know, the again, to get back to the metaphor of food, the advice that people always want to get about writing is kind of like the advice they always want to get this special advice about how to lose weight and we all know what it is it's just eat less and exercise more so with writing it's just write every day or every week or every month you just have a regular (laughs) habit a regular routine that that is it you know i got that i got that advice at a really early age because my mom was a novelist and we had a we had a, a little decorative throw pillow in the in the living room and I think once what it said was a writer writes yeah and my mom thought that was like the most important message that, that she could put out there yeah but writing. it was on a pillow yeah well so it, she it was, doesn't say a writer she writes was, pillows she was sleeping on it well <laughs> I don't think that's the best message it's so, it's so simple and that it's boring and that's why people don't do it because it's too simple and it's too boring they want to be struck by Inspiration. Well, I'm I'm fascinated. Not that I'm any kind of great writer, but I've written. You're a some, very good writer. Thank you. But I've written not some things. And or I'm a lyricist, a, really. I'm, I'm a great lyricist. Not really. I, um, <laughs> I well, I love writing letters. Um, and I don't particularly like writing emails, but I love writing letters. Um, because I like the drag of the pen on the page, and I am particular sometimes about which pen that I use. Maybe I'm lying to myself, but sometimes the drag of the pen or pencil are different, um, and sometimes I'll switch because I just feel like I'm not feeling it with that one and go to another, but it never occurred to me to use um, alphabet soup letters. Yeah, dry ones. Oh! <laughs> oh, how I mean, do you get them dry? You could, they well, come, you, they you, are coming in a package dry. In a well, They're, that's what I figured you did. There's a, you can get a package. I've done this in my workshop sometimes and have them do anagrams. So they spell their name out and then they do anagrams of their names and they write poems from the words that they anagram from their names. You could do a Scrabble tiles too, but then you'll end up feeling like the words with Q are more valuable in some way, and they're not. <laughs> I had Walt's One time, ones. I had alphabet cookies, and then you can eat the word after you make it. You oh, know? Wow. wow! I yeah. might even so, skip making the word. Yeah, <laughs> eat your words every day. That's what I've learned from this. Um, the, uh, you ever work in the medium of refrigerator magnets? The the poetry kit. Yes. Yeah. 
Right. Those are based on a data technique, which was a what we now call cut and paste. But, you know, people used to cre cut words out of books and magazines and newspapers and move them around. Yeah, Especially that's the kidnappers. kidnappers. Yes. <laughs> That was a foot race to that joke, Paula. <laughs> I made an invitation to a party one time um, that I pretended it was a note from a kidnapper, and it was telling people that they had to come to this party or else. Uh, I told people that I had Paula Poundstone in the trunk of my car, and if they didn't come to this party at the particular time, that she would get it in her fat fucking head. And um, Did you now? I did. And This was this a while was, ago. It was a long time ago. What I did was I did it big, and then I had it shrunk. It's like the worst idea uh, ever, but go on. No, it was, it was my favorite. I, I've done a lot of party invitations. My favorite one I've ever done. I have it framed right when you step into the house. But I'll tell you, it was such hard work cutting out those letters. I mean, I, I didn't cut out whole words. I cut out letters. And if you breathed while you were trying to put them on, you know, and it really made me kind of respect the work work ethic of kidnappers uh, because, you know, they have to follow through. And, and, you know, you never see, like, on Columbo or anything, uh, or a good old 70s uh, crime drama, you yeah. never see where they just got pissed partway through and wrote it by hand. They always follow through. So I do. I have come to respect kidnappers. Um, so, Harriet, if you're wondering what the question was there, don't. No, I was I was sharing, Harriet. I was sharing. It's a nice time to share. Um, it absolutely is. How do you handle writer's block? Well, first of all, you don't even talk about writer's block. Oh, sorry. Because there really is no such thing as writer's block. If you're writing routinely uh, and regularly, you just keep writing. So what writer's block is, you haven't been writing. So if you start writing, there's no block. And you have to be willing to write a terrible draft. Yes. Oh, oh that is such good I'm advice. I'm fantastic at that. <laughs> at writing a terrible and draft. And then you have to be willing to make it better. Oh, I have a lot of blocks. I have a uh, laundry block. Well, you are you are distractible. Dishes oh, you have laundry block. block yeah. I have uh, cleaning the bathroom block. I have a lot of blocks. There stuff are things that... that we don't want to do, but if we want to write, yeah, what's stopping us? You know, once I get started, I'm fine. But the part of getting started is 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 sit, hard for sit me. Sit down and write something you already wrote. You know, one writer said, uh, That's a good one. "Leave a sentence unfinished." And then you come back and you just finish that sentence. Oh. Or you can write another sentence from somebody else. You know, I've had my students write poems based on other people's poems. So we do things like rewrite a Shakespeare sonnet or a Neruda sonnet. And we'll do a backwards sonnet or we'll do a synonymous sonnet. What's synonymous? Well, you just look up words in a, dic in a dictionary or in a thesaurus or in some cases we use a slang dictionary. And you just use the substitute you know, like, so I wrote one in Sleeping with the Dictionary instead of um, My Mistress' Eyes Are Nothing Like the Sun. I think I wrote uh, My Honey Bunch's Peepers Are Nothing Like Neon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's from the slang dictionary. Oh, that's oh, great. Man. And you can start with a pre-existing text and just write your text over it. Uh -huh. And that's a way to start. And it's not always going to produce something wonderful, but it gets you going. So you have to be willing to write even if you're not going to produce something wonderful in that moment. You could write the first thing that comes into your head. On the When I teach a, a creative writing workshop, I'm certain that everyone is going to write something before they leave. So I tell them to draw a picture. Well, I say, close your eyes and think about what's going on in your head right now. And there's probably 10 or 15 things going on in your head right now. Pick one of them. 
and draw a picture of it. And you know what? They never say, how am I going to do that? I say it doesn't have to be a beautiful picture. It just has to represent what's in that thought that's in your head. Mm-hmm. And I give them markers and paper, and they all draw a picture. Then they write a caption. Then they elaborate on the caption. And then they've written something, which is a draft. That's huh. great. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Whenever I'm asked for writing advice, I just tell people to get to the end. That's, you know, people often ask me, like, how do you, how do you write a screenplay? How do you write a teleplay and stuff like that? And I just say... You never look back at something you've written until you've typed the end at the end of it, because because if you because so many people who who are not who don't write all the time, they want so badly for things to get perfect that they never get to the end of the first draft. Do you do it that way? Uh, there used to be I don't know if you can still do this. There used to be a way you could turn off the screen of your computer, the, the light, and just have a dark screen and and type. Uh-huh. And that's good for people who want to go back and uh, correct every sentence and keep revising before they get to the next sentence. So you mean you can't see what you're typing? Yes. Because I would have higgadabajigah. Well, you have to correct, you know, the errors. Yeah. And, you know, and also your computer is going to help you or maybe say something you didn't want to say. But that is one way or, you know, to, to try to break that habit of going back and back and back and never going continuing to go forward with the what you're writing here's a question um why do you think that um when you get drunk you feel like writing poetry (laughs) (laughs) do you well i haven't gotten drunk in many years but when i did Mm -hmm. i i I, yeah i often felt like this was the time to write well the poet said you can be drunk on poetry but uh you know as a person who doesn't use alcohol at all i don't need <laughs> i don't need alcohol to get oh, <laughs> inspired to feel it, yeah. so you've probably never been pulled over for but writing I, poetry i probably get drunk i get drunk on poetry yeah oh yeah. well that's great well you know a lot of poets a lot of poets were big drinkers though uh, dylan thomas famously his last words were something along the lines of i just had my 17th straight whiskey is that a record he he drank himself to death tragically. Yeah, at the White Horse Tavern in New York City. Just something. I, I thought know. you were kidding when you said that. No, that was no. his last words. Um, yeah. Well, I think one of the things, as a person who has, doesn't use alcohol, perhaps you you wouldn't know this, but uh, I think that sometimes you think yourself invincible, you know, when you're d- d- drunk, and uh, so then you think like, oh, I could write poetry. You know, like the things that the things that I wasn't, you know, good at. It didn't occur to me when I was uh, inebriated. Fortunately, I don't. Uh, I, I no longer write under the influence. Um, is it possible to support yourself as a poet? No. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but but you know but you could cobble together a living by writing books about poetry, you right? Can and write teaching a, maybe at a, about a poetry university. Yeah, my job is teaching. That's they pay me to teach. If I had to survive on what I get for publishing poetry, I would be dead now. But <laughs> you can and you can you can make more money reading a poem to an audience than you get actually for your book sometimes. Wow. Well, thank you, Harriet, for bringing poetry to Miranda Street. Now, Paula, now that you've been schooled, what advice can you give our listeners about poetry? Hey, Aiden, can I have a little poetic music to underscore some of what I've learned from Harriet Mullen about poetry? 
The demise of poetry has often been predicted, but it continues to survive. People tend to turn to poetry during emotional upheaval. So it's not unusual at all during an emergency landing of a plane to hear from the cockpit, this is your captain speaking. Put your seatbelt on and put your head between your knees. Little white duck sitting on the water. Little white duck doing what he oughter. Or to hear the unhappy couple in the apartment next door yell, I'm sick of you, you son of a bitch. Go ahead to your whore girlfriend. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. I wouldn't sleep with you if you were the last dick on earth. I hate you. I hate you. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? <laughs> the citation for Harriet Mullen's Academy of American Poets Fellowship reads in part, Harriet Mullen is a magician of words, phrases, and songs. No voice in contemporary poetry is quite as original, cosmopolitan, witty, and tragic. Poet Harriet Mullen is a professor of English at UCLA, and Harriet, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. A privilege. Coming up, more theme songs submitted by our listeners. Nobody's You Are Killing It. The Cat of the Week is Mavis from San Francisco, California. Adam Felber! Uh -oh. Adam Felber, look at Articlé 2. Articlé 2? Look at Articlé 2. Bill Barr tells me it means I can do whatever I want. I can cheat. I can steal from you. I can bribe. I can try to discredit your badan. I can have Lindsey Graham paint my toenails and pay for it with your social security. It is I, French Trump. It is French Trump, my second favorite hand puppet on this show. Get away from me, Lev Parnas. I do not know you. Lev who? Lev pardon my ass. Lev Bargas. I do not know you. Stop taking pictures with me, Lev Farbaz. Lev, Lev Parvas. No, Parnas. no, Parnas. Parnas. Parnas, Bargas, Parnas. Bargas? Oui. What? Lev, pardon uh, my ass. I don't, it can't, don't take pictures with me. Get away from me, Lev Parnas. So, French Trump, clearly this impeachment trial is having some sort of effect on you. It does not matter to me. It doesn't? Impeachment. No? Is a dirty word. Is it really? Is a dirty word. <laughs> Look at Article 2. Article 2. I can do whatever I want. All right. Article 2 of the, of the Constitution of the United States. Uh. Is that what you're talking about? Is that what it is? I, I think so. <laughs> oh, Bill Barr just told me Ar Article 2. He probably said Article 2 because he speaks Article, English. Uh, like, uh, in fact, Article 2. Okay. I'm French Trump, Adam Felbert. I, I, I get it. You're a I'm French, French ver Trump. version of Trump, yeah. No, not the French version of Trump. French Trump. I don't get the distinction there, French Trump. What do you mean? Where were you born? France. Then you can't be president. I am president. <laughs> you know who can be president? Who? Joe Badan. Joe Badan. Joe Badan cannot be president. I thought a Badan was something that like 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 that sat in a French bathroom next to a toilet bowl. Ah, uh, that's Swiss. 
That's who Joe Badan is. He sits next to a French toilet bowl. Is that okay? <laughs> that is correct. It's bidet. Oh, so you're on my side now. No, I'm not on your side. <laughs> you're on my side. I don't even understand Adam, what side you're Adam on. Felbert, I am French Trump. I am on this side of French Trump. Okay, well, you know. You There's did. good people on both sides. There is French Trump. And on the other side, there is French Trump. <laughs> you know what? There is not Lev Parnasse. Do not take pictures with me, Lev Parnasse. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Stop taking pictures with me, Lev Parnasse. Yes, Lev Parnasse took pictures with all with, with you and with, uh, with a bunch of... pictures with the idea. I do not know Lev Parnasse. You sure you don't? Because there's a lot of pictures of you guys together. Uh, he delivered uh, And with your Ivanka. son. Ivanka? When Ivanka was born, she dropped right into the hands of Lev Parnasse, but I do not know him. <laughs> I do not know Lev Parnasse. I'm unaware that he was an obstetrician, but, you know, you learn something every day. Uh, he's does many jobs, many jobs. He works with Rudy. Oh, your friend Rudy, he yeah. He works with Rudy, Giuliani. His... <laughs> Is Paula in there? Uh, uh, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, good. Hey. Oh, oh that man. That was unexpected. While you were gone, uh, your friend French Trump popped up. Oh, boy. He is wild. Uh, but I'm, cl- I'm proud to say that this, this show is now officially back on the rails. Good, good. There we good go. Good to hear it. So, Paula, we've got two great new entries in our theme song competition. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's it's really great. I mean, uh, our nobodies are out there just... Just killing this theme song contest. <laughs> They're churning out yeah, the content. Some really good content. Um, the first one is by nobody, John McNulty. It brilliantly covers the waterfront of our show, and it's titled This Nobody. When this nobody is all alone, he likes to listen to Paula Poundstone. She's asexual, she don't like the penis But oh my lord, she's a podcast genius Mr. Adam Felber <laughs> plays a crucial role He reels her in when she's out of control If Paula had a cult, I'd surely join Guess who's not in my kitchen, Thomas Coyne Oh Paula and I, we're both from Mass You can't tell French Trump to Kiss my ass. The classic Butterfinger was sweet and hearty. Please invite me to your ping pong party. Oh, Tony Anita's laugh. It can't be beat. It's the sweetest sound on Miranda Street. The show's going off without a wrinkle. Then out of nowhere comes Captain Crinkle. Oh, Mrs. Culpepper, I'm obsessed with your hand puppet figure and your ruby satin dress. The captain, he survived the war. Nobody shot him. In the end, it was the dude that got him. Oh, Paula's balloon creations will set the mood and her vocab words like turpitude. So when I'm with friends or all alone, this nobody... I said this nobody likes to I said this nobody listens to Paula Poundstone That's Thank my new you. ringtone right there. Oh, man, I was thinking I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like to have a copy of that. That I is beautiful. That. that is wonderful. And you know what? We're not done. We Wait a, a minute. We have another theme song. 
Another theme song. Yes, Ken Wiener sent in a theme song with a great break in the middle. You're going to like this. I'm told. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. Nobody listens to. Oh, I better answer to the phone. Hello? Well, it's the mic. Boom, boom, Bonafide Show. It's the mic. Boom, boom, Bonafide Show. It's hanging out with Adam Felber. Gonna watch the game together. Oh, that's Working beautiful. on a car in his garage. You can have some beers with Adam Felber. He's got a plan to go off without a hitch. He thinks Paula is such a bit. <laughs> well, nobody listens. Nobody listens. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Oh, yeah. Ken Wiener, that was fantastic. Ken Wiener. Oh, my God. I got to say, I love our nobodies. They are are just doing themselves. We got a talented cadre of nobodies. Uh, Adam, answer the phone. Uh, What? Uh, No. (laughs) No, that was just on the song. That's not the real phone. Answer the phone. No, no, that's not the real one, is it? (laughs) Go ahead, answer the phone. Oh, Jesus. Christ, hello. Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Barfit. That was a great fucking song, man. That was a great fucking song. That was the best. You know, talking about you and me hanging out at the game after the game. I love that. Am I the 100th caller? You are not the 100th caller. I believe you're caller number 10. Shit. You know, I just, can't you just say I'm the 100th caller, Adam? Can't you just say it? No, I can't say that. Couldn't you, like, cheat for me or something? No, you see, there's there's a couple of reasons why I can't. Number one, it would be cheating, and all our listeners would know. And we have more listeners than just you and Winnie, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. Winnie's weird. But you and me, you know, you and me. Come on, man. You don't want to hang out with anybody after the game other than me. What if you get stuck hanging out with Winnie? That's why I don't don't want either of those things to happen. And, frankly, I don't approve of this contest. Because I don't feel like my... You don't don't approve of this contest. I don't feel like my social life is up for for, uh, uh, the highest bidder. Or the hundredth caller, or anything like uh, that. Hundredth caller. Yeah. Huh. Hey, did you hear that? That rhymed. I'm a poet, and I didn't even mean to be. <laughs> well, nice, nicely done. Uh, then you'll enjoy our show when you finally get to hear it. Uh, oh yeah, this is a great show. A great show, man. Yeah. That was a great yeah, show. Yeah, great. Yeah. How's yeah. the Trans Am coming? That's been on blocks in your garage for a long time, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I got a little. I got to do some work on it. You know, I got to get in there with a wrench or something. <laughs> What's the matter with it? Uh, I don't know. You know, the pistons are firing right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I tell you what. After the game, why don't you come over? I'm... You know, we'll put our heads under the hood, if you know what I mean. I, I, what do you mean? Uh, we'll put our heads under the hood. <laughs> then, of course, I know what you mean, but I'm not going to do it. No, you're not going to do it. I'm not coming. Am I the 100th caller? You know, you're still the 10th caller. Uh, I got to go. I got to call you back. All right. All right. Bye. All right, see ya. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, um, look. Listeners, thank you for the theme songs. Thank Those were fantastic. <laughs> they were really songs. fantastic. And if you're, um, here's the thing yeah. Paul and I want to launch a new thing tonight. We're w- because they're new giving thing? so many things to us. We've got a lot our, of our nobodies. We have, we have wrung the life out of these listeners. <laughs> 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 they they do and they do and they do for us. And what do we do for them besides 
offering a weekly high-quality comedy product for them for free. We what do, do we do for them? Oh, come on. We send out, uh, Tony, Anita Hall, we send out uh, fresh bars of hotel soap, right? Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. To- but I think we could do more, and that's why... From now on, you know, we offer a lot of advice on the show. Yeah. We don't give our listeners advice. We don't? Not, no, not, not about their specific problems and oh, questions. Oh, so if they have a problem, they yeah. can get in touch with us. Why don't, if you have, if, if, the same address that you use to send in those great theme songs, nobody yeah. listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. If, if you're uh, wanting to know something. If wh- you're turning to poetry because right. you're uh, in a, <laughs> you have in no a, other recourse. Because <laughs> you're in an emotionally charged time. Go ahead. Uh, Adam. Then Adam and I, uh, well, A, we encourage you to turn to poetry, but B, if there's anything we can help you with, we're going to offer ask. You, Yes, we're going to offer you advice in our new advice corner, which we haven't even named yet, but then again, as we've established, <laughs> we're not very gifted at naming segments anyway. No, it's not necessarily our strength. No. Um, in fact, that's the opening section of our show is called No, It's Not Necessarily Our Strength. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which we should probably rename at some point. <laughs> now, speaking of Hotel Soap, Paula, you're going to be on the road. Where are you going to be performing? You know, I hate I hate promoting myself. It, my, I have the greatest job in the entire world, but the one part I really dislike is saying, I'm going to be at the blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be at the blah, blah, blah. Well, let's spare you that and move on. I tell you and what, I'm going to be in Atlanta, Georgia on March 27th at the Buckhead Theater and in Boston, Massachusetts on April 17th at the Wilbur Theater. Now, will you be uh, selling anything special at those shows? You know, I will. What? Uh, my uh, Poundstone Pussy Pillows will be available. Oh, the Paula Poundstone Pussy Pillows. Those yeah. are very popular cat they, toys, they are, aren't they? They're flying off the shelf. You should hear how pissed Wendell is. Oh, because Wendell's making them all by hand. You're assistant Wendell. Wendell. I, got, I, got, I got up a, a little bit late this morning, and he was already in the sweatshop sewing away. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. I so you are selling a, a quantity said, of these. Wendell, make sure those stitches are straight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to those of you who don't know, the, the Poundstone Pussy Pillows are... Um, Catnip stuffed little pillows. Yeah, I-, I named them. They're about three by four inches, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> and they're, they're stuffed with a uh, uh, um, uh, potent nip. Sent to you by Doug Berman, executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yes, he sent me thirty-five pounds of catnip as a thank you gift. And uh, you're just trying to get rid of so it. So I am. Uh, I'm not just trying to get rid of it. I mean, I could sprinkle it outside my house if I was just trying to. I could put it in the mulch pile if I was just trying to get rid of it. You're trying to monetize. I'm it. trying to monetize <laughs> it. That's exactly right. I'm trying to pay for my summer cruise. Uh, so uh, yeah, they're the maybe three inch by four inch pillows. Each one has a, 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 a on one side it has a little cat choke. Um, it has a grommet in it, uh, so you could tie a string and pull it uh, to make it more enticing to your cat if need be. Um, I do not provide the string. You don't. And I have been telling you for weeks I think this is a mistake, that somebody's going to come in and undercut you. What, somebody else going to make a poundstone pussy pillow and provide a string? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. And on the Uh, other side... Well, here it is. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing. I am now offering (laughs) the Felber Feline Fun Bag. (laughs) And you know what you know what you know what's up with Felber feline fun bags? Yeah. I order the pussy pillows from Poundstone uh-huh. and then I tie a string to the grommet for only one dollar more. Wow. It's not worth it, you guys. Stick with me. No, 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 uh, no. Felber feline fun bags. And on the <laughs> other side of the Poundstone pussy pillow, I'm happy to autograph it to your cat. I will autograph the Felber feline fun bags right underneath Paula's autograph. It. So wow. you'll end up with the wow. both of our autographs. Yeah. And for only $50, ladies and gentlemen, only $50. (laughs) 
No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, very soon they'll be available on my website. PaulaPoundstone.com. Yeah, very well, I soon. I think by the time the listeners hear this show, now I know we've said this in the past and we've been wrong. Yeah. Um, but That Captain, website's coming along. Captain new, Crinkle tells I mean, I me that there's a 0% chance that the website won't be up and running. We already have a website time you hear and this. you can go to it now, but we're, we're, really... we're, we're updating the website right. and, and uh, adding the Poundstone Pussy Pillows to the store. 100% those um, will be there when we're, when, we're, uh, when we're on there next. Yeah. Yeah, so so you have that to look forward to. Adam, answer the phone. Again? Yeah. Oh, Paula. Answer the phone, Adam. Answer the phone. We're getting so close to the end of this. Adam, answer the phone. Oh, hello. Adam, it's me, Winnie Rose Feynman. Winnie I'm Ro- so happy I got through to you. Winnie. Am I the 100th caller? You're not, Winnie. You're caller number 11. And I'm I'm ashamed of myself number for keeping 11? track. I'm number 11. I just have to win a chance to hang out with you after the game. I would really like to win that. I'm I'm not even sure of the legality of that, Winnie. Adam, I got you this lemon seed, and I really want to plant it with you. A l- lemon bond. seed? Uh, yeah, I got you this lemon seed, and I want to plant it with you to bond. Oh, because you heard on the show that Bonnie Burns planted a lemon seed with her daughter as a bonding activity. Yeah. Well, and then... And then... She broke the planters and didn't pay any attention to it, but that won't happen to our lemon seed, you and me. We're not planting a lemon tree, Bon, uh, Winnie. I would like to plant a lemon seed with you, Adam. And I would like to not plant a lemon tree with you. Um, not a tree. We're not planting a tree, Adam. We're planting a seed, and that seed will grow into a tree. It's not. If this is a metaphor, Winnie, it's not going to grow into anything. <laughs> it's gonna. It's gonna grow. You know what, Adam? What, Winnie? I hate you. I hate you. I oh. hate you. I love Tom Hanks. I what? Love... <laughs> what just happened there? I can't do it. I love you. I don't like Tom Hanks. I love you. I'm just trying to make you jealous. <laughs> oh, my God, Winnie. I have to plant this lemon seed with you. I got it for you, and I really want to plant it with you. Here's the thing, Winnie. What am I, the 11th caller? Yeah, the 11th caller. All right, I'm going to call you back. Bye. Oh man, this is turning. The, you know, the the Winnie Feynman thing is in some ways worse than the Mike Bonifit thing, because Winnie she loves you. Yeah, but they're it, both really into you. Which yeah, is but great. but her love is unhealthy and could turn really bad really fast. Oh, I don't think it's unhealthy. I think I think I think, no, I I think, think you guys I'm spent some time together. Planting we're not going to spend seeds. any time together, Paula. Uh, that's why. That's why boy, this contest don't tell that you're her, running you'll is break her heart. Well, she she's already wearing her brassiere as tight as it can be. How do you know? She told me on the phone. <laughs> She said on the phone that if she wasn't the 100th caller, she was going to tighten her brassiere uh, 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 as a punishment to herself. Oh, wow. Did she? Yeah. Wow, I, I didn't recall that. Well, that's, Yeah, that um... was last week. Oh, yeah. That's right. You're right. Yeah. I think I think yeah. I do recall something yeah. about that. She was I, really in emotional pain. I think you I, should be more supportive. I, I try to be, but she also really frightens me. All right. We'll be back right after this. According to climate scientists, we have nine years and 48 weeks until the Earth begins to become uninhabitable. Fun fact! Although nobody knows for sure why humpback whales sing and why they do so so loudly, some scientists believe they do it to cover the sound of their farts. 
Welcome back, all you nobodies. Hey, hey Adam. <laughs> I have a cute little cat story for you. Oh, you do? Yeah. One time when I had blisters on my back from a really bad sunburn, my cat, Laurel, I think it was, uh, I was standing up and she leaped onto my back, dug her claws in and slid down my T-shirt with her claws coming through the blisters on my back. That sounds super painful. It was incredibly painful, but it's all good now. I just, you know, she's How fine. is that a cute little cat story? It's a cute little cat story. I, I petted her. Everything's good now. Good God. Nobody's. Remember our email address is nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. And a grommet on the bottom in case you want to pull your shirt across the floor. No, that's not true. Well, you should add at one. At paulapoundstone.com. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman and mixing by Michael Hoagie. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Aiden McDonald. Thank you so much, Aiden. It's beautiful yeah, work. Thanks to our guest, Harriet Mullen. Security muscle provided by Tyler, the Studio City behemoth Burke. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Afterlife. I don't think there's an afterlife. I don't either. I think you die and that's it. Kind of ironic that we have harp music, though, for that one. Yeah. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast network.